there are certain like uh, basics that you have to have on a page, right? Like trust, product market fit, great value proposition, a good landing page, um, and all of that stuff. So, so to speak, there's a certain checklist that you can tick off. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. In this episode, we have Carl Weishet, who is one of the best customer rate optimization experts out there. He has a agency called Accelerated Agency that they help eight-figure direct-to-consumer brands scale their revenue, scale their profits without spending a single cent more on traffic. And this is through AI-based CRO and multi-funnel testing. In this episode, we'll learn the average conversion rates of different industries and what you should be striving for. And you'll also learn some easy fixes that you can do right now to your e-commerce store. Um, you definitely want to listen to this episode. All right, Carl, thanks so much for, for jumping on the podcast. Excited to jump into this. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm really excited. Absolutely. So you're over in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh yeah. Shout out to all the Germans who are who are listening. Uh, there is a few of them. Um, so, give us a. I'm very curious um, about a little bit of the backstory, right? So, and then let's just spend like two seconds there, and then say where you're at now. So, previously you used to do something else, and now you're only focused on the conversion rate of the site. Why? Why the transition? And then we can jump into that. Okay, sweet. Interesting question. So long story short, I started with 16 with like, uh, started selling things online. So what I used to do is like buy and resell Yeezys, Jordan, Supreme and all of that stuff. Uh, they were like my initial steps. And then I also had like a huge passion for psychology. So I initially wanted to use it for like personal development, influence myself, motivating myself, and then also um, influencing the relationships that I have with other people. So I did that for a long time. I read tons of books, watched probably thousands of hours of Tony Robbins videos <laughs> and all of that stuff. Um, and then uh, next to my university in the first semester, I started an own online store and did Amazon FBA. And initially I hired a freelancer and that was uh, back in 2019 to help me with CRO work. So he helped me with copywriting for the emails. He helped me with the design for the pages and everything. And that's how I first got to know what conversion optimization is all about. And for me, it was like two worlds colliding, like uh, selling online, applying psychology to it, and then also having like a measurable effect of it, right? I can do a tweak on the landing page and I can see how it affects the uh, consumer behavior of people and revenue. So um, I slowly transitioned from the store to the agency together with that guy. Uh, he's my co-founder now. And in the beginning, just to round this up, we did everything from building stores to building landing pages to doing copywriting, everything that would make money in the beginning. Um, and then over time, we switched to doing A-B testing only. Um, initially, they had the reason for us to uh, wanting to run a more uh, sustainable business with retainers and everything because we wanted to scale the business and the business is not scalable if we only have one-time projects. Um, so we did that, moved to A-B testing. And then now over time, um, where we at now, it's like a team of 35 people, around 25 to 38 figure clients, um, where we just focus on doing a B test for them and do CRO for them. Very cool. Okay. So explain to us 
what is the, like a lot of people listening probably have an idea of like what that is, but conversion rate optimization, what is that, what is it? And then what exactly goes into converting the the website? Okay, sure we do. So conversion rate optimization is really focused on doing tweaks to your pages. So for example, the landing pages and the funnel so that it resonates more with the traffic that you're pushing to the page, right? So that it really um, turns prospects into buyers. So that's why it's called conversion optimization because we want to convert people from being interested in the product to really handing you the money, right? Um, so that's like the basics of conversion rate optimization. Um, how to do it, it's really a lot focused on understanding who you're selling to, right? So you need to have this understanding of your target audience and the market who you're talking to. Same with the, for example, how you do creatives, right? You can only do a good score stopper or a good hook or a good creative if you understand who you're selling to, right? Um, so this is the initial understanding that we need. And then also um, we need to watch out for certain factors. So for example, what works really, really well is bidding, trust, motivating people, showing them the value of the offer, and then also removing friction in the customer journey and reducing the anxiety. Those are like the basics of CRO. Very cool. Okay, so we have a understanding of the conversion rate. What's I, I want to make something super actionable here, and this is more of a, a request on my end, and also to just I feel like a lot of people are listening. What is something that, that almost that you guys see is almost every single site needs to have this fixed, right? It's a, it's a very common thing to go and fix and, and improve the conversion rate on their site. What do you see as the most common issues that people run into? Great question. Uh, so it's two things, actually. First step is uh, to build trust and build authority because uh, it's really easy to make outrageous claims on your website. Like everybody can do that, right? But then it's hard to gain the trust from people. So how you can build trust to make this really actionable, you can be using uh, social proof, for example, so showcase reviews and testimonials and all sorts of stuff that build social proof. Then what you can do is you can establish authority by using authority figures. That would, for example, be an influencer or a doctor or chiropractor, uh, depending on what kind of product you're selling. Um, and then uh, what also works really, really well is using PR. So for example, press releases, um, TV shows or magazines or online brands that are talking about you, right? So there are all these different factors that kind of play into you believing a brand at the end of the day. So, and building the trust. And the trust is really important uh, because it's like the biggest currency that we have in e-commerce. For advertising, the biggest currency is attention. <laughs> but then on the website, we need to have trust, right? So that people actually think that all of the claims that we have are trustworthy and they believe in them. Uh, the second big thing and the second action step is this deep understanding for the target audience. And we've seen this uh, that sometimes people do an amazing job at talking about the benefits of the products, but they are not really using the words that the target audience would use or that really uh, matter for them, right? So what you can do um, is, for example, a customer survey where you ask your existing customer based certain questions. So... Why are you buying our product? Why are you buying from us and not from a competitor? How are you using this product in your day-to-day? Um, what was most important for you when buying this product? And all of this stuff to understand that pain points, beliefs, motives, and desires. And then let's say, for example, you push out the survey to 1,000 of your customers, and then you start reading through the answers. You're going to find certain patterns, right? So you're going to find certain commonalities 
amongst what kind of language that they're using, what words they're using, uh, what stories they like to tell. And you will find that your target audience is always using like the same kind of words and stories and metaphors to talk about their problems or why they buy the product. And if you just uh, use their words and put it on your page, you're already doing a great job of more resonating uh, with your market that you're selling to. That's awesome. I think that it's something that not a lot of people talk about, which is literally just talking to your audience, like figuring out exactly, you know, if you talk one-on-one with them, uh, you'll get amazing information. Um, and it's just literally sitting right in front of you. Um, I guess if if you were just starting off brand new, um, obviously like building trust is probably one of the hardest things you can do or like, like trying to get reviews and all that. Um, is there anything else that, I guess for someone who's just starting out um, that you would have them do um, on their website uh, either to build trust or maybe there's like some other component of CRO that um, could also help them um, if they're if they're just like brand new. Great question. Um, when you're brand new, what I would really focus on are the foundations and the principles of building a brand, which is that you have to find the perfect product market fit and you also have to create a perfect offer. And then again, it comes down to talking to the target audience and talking to prospects and customers to understand what they really want, right? Because um, I could build the most beautiful and stunning website and an online experience, but if my product market fit is not given, or if my offer just isn't right, um, then people are not going to buy. So for the first steps of our brands in the early ages of the growth, I would really focus on dialing in these two, so the product market fit and the offer. And this, again, comes down to talking to your audience, talking to your customers and talking to prospects. And what you can also do uh, in the early stages is, for example, show your website to like friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, and have them uh, like create an action, right? So you tell them, hey, uh, Christian, please buy like this blue sweatshirt in size L from my store. And then you can watch them over the shoulder and see how they navigate through the store. And then you will find where friction occurs in a customer journey. Because maybe uh, on the homepage, you don't have the sweatshirt collection. And then it's really hard to find in the menu. right? <laughs> um, and then you can see where friction occurs and you can remove that friction because friction is also a huge thing that will keep people from buying from your page. Because we all know this, uh, sometimes we have a high buying attempt and we are really motivated to buy something and we type on Google. And then if it just takes like too long on one specific website, we don't care. We are just going to exit. We're never going to come back to the website. It was a horrific <laughs> customer experience. And we just go on Amazon or another competitor website that has like a really flawless customer journey that doesn't take too much effort from our side and then buy there. From that... What I mean, I guess there's so many different questions I have from that, but it, what is a good like baseline? I think you've done a good job of explaining to us kind of like what to do in the beginning, but like when somebody is getting traffic to their site and they start to get some new cold traffic that has never been there before, what's like a good range that you guys see uh, for like a conversion rate, right? Is it is it a half a percent? Is it 3%? Is it 10%? Like what's a What's the range? And then I, I think I have some clarifying questions from that. But what are you guys seeing kind of on average from that? And then what kind of amount of traffic is going to the site for those kind of numbers? Great question. I could probably spend the next hour <laughs> talking about this. So I'm going to try to keep it broad. Um, in the beginning, especially if you focus really heavily on Meta and Google, uh, you're probably going to see an average conversion rate if you do a great job of between 
2.5 to 5%. Um, if you have an average order value of, let's say, 70 to $150. Um, how conversion rate and average order value uh, behaves is really based on the type of traffic you push to the page. I don't want to get in this too much in detail because it's like a really complex topic. Um, just to uh, answer this really specific, um, obviously, based on the traffic quality and how much you pay for the traffic, it's going to tell you um, how qu high quality this traffic is. So, for example, the CPMs on Facebook are way higher than the CPMs on TikTok, but the traffic from Facebook is also going to convert a lot more and buy a lot more than the traffic from TikTok. So that's also something that's playing into the equation. Good. Okay. So that gives me, I guess, a, a good uh, baseline from that. Um, is there a hard and fast rule that you want to be within a certain like range uh, as far as like, you know, obviously you said 5%. Well, I'd love to be at 5%, but if is it, is there a number that comes into play where you're like, okay, we're at 2% and there's certain things that need to be done. Like 2% of people coming to the site that you kind of check off this list of like, I don't have enough trust or the site isn't fast enough. Is there like a certain checklist based off of like what the site's converting at with the right amount of traffic? Hopefully I asked that if you had it, does that make sense? It makes sense. It's uh really, really complex because it's like a really individual case. It could be everything. It could be nothing. Um, there are certain like, um, basics that you have to have on a page, right? Like trust, product market fit, great value proposition, a good landing page, um, and all of that stuff. So, so to speak, there's a certain checklist that you can tick off. Um, but then uh, it's really uh, depending on like the growth stage that a, a brand is in, right? So for example, what we like to go for is a conversion rate of four to seven percent at a really high scale with an average order value of between like 100 to 150 dollars um if we have a brand that's doing between one to five million a month with that conversion and that average order value then it's going to be a highly profitable business and they can scale really aggressively hey so owners are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. Um, as part as CRO and, and what you do with, with your clients, um, I believe there's also some A-B testing or maybe some automatic A-B testing that happens. Um, what are some of those things that, that you guys are maybe constantly um, A-B testing or maybe some of the things, that, again, newer brands who are just starting with CRO and, and, and testing things, what are some things that they could potentially start A-B testing? Great question. So uh, where I would focus my A-B testing efforts on, especially as a brand starting out, um, is more on the foundations. So for example, the offer is going to be a huge one. So what we really like to test is the price points that the customers are willing to pay, right? Um, or the different bundles that work the best. For example, if you're selling, let's say a supplement, does it work best at one month, three months or six months? Right. So that we can test out different offers to sell to the customers and then see which one is performing the best. 
Um, and then I would also focus on the first touch point. So the first screen that you see on the landing page uh, from the traffic, right? So let's say you push Facebook traffic to a certain landing page. What is the first thing that they see? What is the value proposition? What is the image? Is there any social proof? Uh, what is in the announcement bar, right? Just so that everything makes sense because it's really important to have congruency between the ad that the prospect sees to the landing page. And that's where I think most of the brands um, have a lot of potential because they have different ads where they do an amazing job at finding different creatives that work for different stages of the funnel. For example, for like really cold traffic or then for retargeting traffic, they will have all of these different ad sets, but then they push all of the traffic to the same landing page, right? So you have all of these different ads and prospects coming onto the page in different awareness stages and different emotional stages, and they are on the same landing page. And then the landing page will obviously work for some of them because it matches the awareness stage. Um, but some of them may be too cold or some of them are ready to buy. And then you have a landing page that just doesn't resonate with them, right? So it's really, really important that you understand from the brand perspective, the congruency, just so they have like a flawless customer journey from seeing the ad to clicking on it, to maybe you educate them a bit and you warm them up and then you position the offer instead of just like, hard selling them after they've seen a 20 second TikTok UGC piece. What do you guys ever work with, uh, brands who have, uh, they're not, well, I mean, I guess the way that we look at it is like, they don't, they don't have the ability to do a landing page. So like a lot of, we work a lot of, with a lot of clothing stores. And so there's a lot of products, um, and then a lot of different categories or anything like that. So there's not really like a, we can send them to one landing page, I guess. But, um, would you consider that like, collection page if they sold like a bunch of jeans like still a landing page in that in the just the terminology that you're you're explaining this yes definitely so landing page from the definition is just the first touch point that the customer has with the store right so great example that you just did with a fashion store it could be really interesting to uh, send traffic to the collection page to the product page and to the home page and then see what is working the best mm -hmm. right Am I from the ad showing them the product that they just have been looking at? Or am I from the ad pushing them to the homepage to talk about the brand and establish the story? Or do I just push them to the collection page so they can look around and get inspired to what they want to buy? So then it's more about um, like trying that out and testing that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify with the, with the terminology that you were using. So... If they send them, what do you guys see? I guess it's kind of like a best practice. Most of the time, what we're doing ads wise is we're sending it to like, if we're selling jeans, we'll send it to the jeans page or we'll send it to the jeans collection, but haven't done too many tests where it's like, I'm showing you this, this TikTok or user generated content about jeans, but then we send you to the homepage. It, do you guys feel like the homepage is still a good thing to test because like, and I'm just curious, like the thoughts that kind of go through that or, or why, I guess, for the buying cycle, somebody would, would go to the homepage versus the product pages. Great question. Um, what we like to do, uh, where we push the homepage traffic to is mostly core traffic or people that have just started to get the brand awareness so we can warm them up. Right. Because we would potentially lose them if we just, uh, if they've seen the first ad and then we push them directly to the product page. So we want to focus more on, uh, the storytelling and building the emotional connection to them. So then, for example, it could be interesting to push them to the homepage. 
um if you have retargeting traffic i wouldn't push them to the homepage, right because they know the brand they know the product they've seen the uh, benefits and everything and then it's more about like pushing them over the edge of now finally buying the jeans um what we uh did and this could be interesting for you guys too um we did this with one of the underwear brands that we have in germany is that we took their collection page and we formed it into a landing page so what we did was instead of at the top just having um, a title saying all products, we had um, a picture of a girl wearing the underwear and then we had a value proposition saying, um, this is the female company underwear, the underwear is great because of X, Y, Z, buy now, right? And then we had just had the social proof section and then underneath we had the products, right? And then we had this collection page that we were showing the user eight products and then again, we had a blog of storytelling and talking about the benefits. So it's still a collection page because we show them all of the products, but then we use these uh, aspects of a landing page of having a hero section and storytelling section and an FAQ section just to kind of build more trust around it and use the storytelling aspect. So this could uh, potentially be really interesting uh, to test you. Yeah, I love that. I don't, Christian. I don't know if you were going to say something from that, but I think we've ever done that. I think I love that idea to to jump into that. But I don't know if you had a question from that. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think the we tend to, I guess, always focus on the product page, right? And like even potentially including some of those things on FAQ section and about section right within the product page. Um, but yeah, I think including it within a collection page and just building a collection page with those elements of that you would typically see on a landing page. Um, yeah, I think that would be amazing to to test and see see how it works. Um, because like I said, yeah, it's, it's all about building that trust and typically a collection page just has a bunch of products and that's it, right? Um, nobody really pays attention to that type of, um, of page. Um, I had a question and I forgot. Um, oh, average order value. Um, I think you've, we mentioned it here and there. Um, what what type of maybe best practices um, or or things that um, you're doing uh, with some of your uh, clients to to increase average order value, um, and what are some things that are working? Um, really like this question. Um, so first of all, for the brand, I would try to understand their business strategy to see if we rather go for more purchases at a lower average order value and then get more profit in the back end due to them purchasing again or if we push for a higher average order value in the front end, right? This would be the first decision that I would have to make before jumping into the uh, AOV practices and trying to upsell them or stop. Um, for AOV, um, funny enough, it starts with the first touch point, maybe even with the creative that you frame the prospect on, for example, you have to buy a three-month supply or you have to buy the whole outfit and not just one jeans, right? So it starts with the frame that you set in the creative. Um, the frame is really important. And then also the offer that you have on the page. So I just did two examples. One would be with supplements or skincare or something like that, that, for example, we frame them on um, a routine, right, where we tell them, hey, Aaron, you're going to get the best results if you take this supplement first and then this supplement and this supplement. Or, hey, question, you should really use this uh, face cleanser and then this mask and then this uh, mm. after serum, right? So we frame them on a routine where we tell them you're going to get the best results if you apply all three of these products. So you shouldn't buy just one, but you should buy all three. Here's the perfect bundle for you. 
what also works really well is, for example, if we talk about fashion and they just put the jeans in the cart, right? They click on the call to action and they put the jeans in the cart. We could have a small pop-up saying, um, great decision. Here are two pieces that would complete the outfit perfectly and match it, right? Here's a white t-shirt and here's a pair of sneakers and this outfit would look amazing, right? So that would, again, we use the frame and we kind of rationalize the upsetting decision for them um, instead of saying, here's the same pair of jeans for 50% off, right? Um, so we're kind of, we are talking to their uh, logic, our decision-making process instead of just bombarding them with offers, right? Um, and then the last uh, thing that you really want to do is use their hormones against them, so to say. <laughs> um, this is a dark tactic. <laughs> no, just kidding. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the customer journey right after they buy, right? They're in the checkout process. They put in their credit card details and now they hit the uh, buying button. Uh, their whole body is being flooded with dopamine, right? They get a dopamine spike. Um, and at this point in the customer journey on the thank you page, right, or right between the checkout and the thank you page, the dopamine is at the all time high. If you look at the whole customer journey. So, um, this is like the perfect opportunity to upset them. So what you can be doing is between the, between or after they click the button and before the thank you page, you have a unique page where at the top you have something like, uh, one time offer for the next five minutes, you should really buy X, Y, Z, mm. right? Um, and it's really funny because some of these strategies, um, they may not sound that good, right? Or you may think, oh, why should this be working? But even me, after studying this for years and I buy supplements from a friend and then they have a one-time offer, <laughs> I'm like, damn, I know what is happening. I know exactly what's going on right now, but I still want, I want to go for the offer, right? Mm. Same with scarcity tactics. If I go shopping online and I want to buy a pair of jeans and then I click on my size and I'm saying, oh, this is the last pair of jeans this size. And I'm like, I know what's happening, <laughs> but I really want to buy now, right? So um, even if even if somebody knows about these strategies, it's still going to work. What software are you guys using or do you like to use for those upsells? We have a couple that we use and I'm just, Christian found a couple more last week or whatever. And so I'm just always trying to find out what is the best software that people are using for stuff like that for the upsells. Good question. Uh, so we like using Zipify, uh, one-click upsell. Um, sometimes we go as far as custom coding the upsell. Um, there's one other app where I forgot the name that we're also using. It's really dependent on the case. So there's no one app that we found that has everything. Uh, so we will figure out, is it like an upsell page after they've purchased or is it rather like a pop-up after they click in the on the add to cart button? And then like either way, Zipify or there's just one other solution I can send to you after the recording <laughs> that we like to use. Um, yeah. And I guess speaking of software and tools, are there any other tools, uh, not just like for the upsell, but uh, I mean, you, you spoke to us about a tool right before this podcast uh, that we didn't have no idea about. So um, is is there is there anything else out there um, that some of our audience members might benefit from? Um, it could be anything CRO related. Um, what I would really advise the audience on, especially if they're beginners, is using something like gem pages or page flight, just because there are so many templates. 
like it's crazy how GM pages developed over the past couple of years. In the beginning, we didn't want to use it really because it was a page builder. It was slow and everything. Um, but now they got really, really quick, really fast, really great page speed. And also they have a lot of templates. So especially if you don't have a lot of knowledge on CRL, just by using the templates where they have the whole landing page or they have like a great product detail page, you're also already doing a lot of stuff, right? So you don't have to start from scratch or start from zero or try to go on Google and type in best five landing pages <laughs> for D2C brands, <laughs> but you can just use some of the templates that Gem Pages has. Um, and I think they even have an opportunity to run a B test in them. Yeah. Carl, what's the, what, I guess if there's one thing from this episode, as we kind of wrap up here that most people, uh, either don't ask or not aware of like that you could just give advice on just in general of like, uh, just kind of a, either if it's encouraging or something they can take action on, what, what would you say is, uh, something that we would be remiss if we close out the episode right now and, and didn't talk about it? Great question. Thanks so much for asking that one. Um, what I like to think, uh, in terms of business is that there aren't really shortcuts. So there is no shortcut to really creating um, high performing creatives or copy that sells on an amazing landing page. Like you can only use wireframes and best practices to a certain extent. Um, what I would really advise uh, for everybody listening is uh, if you really want to get into like the top 1% is read um, not like the newest books, but rather older books. So something like scientific advertising, breakthrough advertising um, or stuff like that um, or persuasion um, or how to influence and influence people. Like all of these books, they don't necessarily have to directly be focused on e-commerce or TikTok or landing pages. They can also be more generally focused on selling, uh, psychology, advertising, or direct response principles. Um, but what I really, really like is uh, taking something from one, let's say, for example, industry or like from a different sector and then apply it to e-commerce because you're not following what everybody else is doing <laughs> and you're not being the same, but you really differentiate yourself just by doing this. Awesome. Carl, this was extremely valuable. Um, I'm going to put your website in there uh, in the show notes as well. Is there anything uh, else out there like people can connect with you outside of the website you want to make sure that we have in there? Appreciate it. Uh, best is Twitter, really, okay. because I'm most active on Twitter and I actually respond to DMs <laughs> um, or YouTube. Um, I will put some like long form content on there. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was super valuable. Uh, I know they're going to get a ton out of this, so we appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBranding and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.